Hey everyone, it's Copeland Bell, your resident historical housekeeper. If you love old houses, fancy things, and have a penchant for the dark, mysterious, and possibly cliche, this podcast is for you. Each week you're going to hear a story about one of the lovely historical homes that I help maintain and the strange things that happen in them. Please remember, this podcast is for mature audiences only. No little ear should be listening. So get nice and cozy, and let me tell you a story. Episode 3, The Revival House, Part 1. wonder how certain memories stay crystal clear, yet others fade away? More often than not, significant events and traumas have a way of staking claim to the largest piece of our mind. Much like people retain memories, I've come to realize that in a way, houses do too. Events that happened in them, or the people that lived and died there, all leave their mark. Some marks are warm and joyful, while others are stains of sadness or terror. The Revival House was a structure that carried the weight of its memories. When I recall the first time I saw the Revival House, I think of the way it looked and smelled. I recall the sheer terror I felt during that two-month-long project. But with the bitter comes the sweet. Because every time I remember that project, I also smile and think of Diver. My initial interaction with Diver was less than ideal. I had just gotten into a heated conversation with my sister. Just come home already and stop pretending to be someone else, she'd fumed into the phone. My family had not been supportive of the divorce or my subsequent move to the Northeast. They'd seen my coast-to-coast jumping as flighty and reactive. I'd seen it as a prison break. I haven't shared much about where it is that I'm located, and honestly, it's because it's a small place, and I like privacy. But for the sake of my sanity and yours, I'll refer to the town as Oakton, Vermont. I'd hung up the phone with my sister, feeling unsettled and defensive. So when my phone immediately rang again, anger got the better of me. What? I'd hissed into the phone. Uh, is this Copeland Bell? I'm looking for the (laughs) historical housekeeper, a man's voice said on the other end. Shit. Hey, yes, I'm so sorry. I thought you were someone else, I said in my best work voice. Ha, yeah, I figured that out real quick. Hey, my name's Diver. I work with Clover Construction. He said with a laugh, and I could almost hear his smile over the phone. How can I help you, Diver? I smoothed, trying to regain my composure. Well, I have a client. They just purchased a real beauty of a house up on Stall Mountain. They're having the place restored to historically accurate specifications with us. He trailed off as if this provided enough explanation. Oh, well, that sounds amazing, but I don't have the skills or knowledge to renovate a home. I was already confused. No, I'm sorry. I have a terrible way of not getting to the point. What I meant to add is that the house has been abandoned for a long time. It's in bad shape, but it's also still filled with furniture, much of which the owner thinks are antiques. They're wanting you to go in, look at the items, assess the damage, and then let them know if they're able to be restored. Historically, of course. That sounds really interesting. I'd love to get more details, I responded as evenly as I could. 
Internally, I thought, do not squeal. Do not. You are a goddamn professional, Copeland. Don't do it. Why don't we meet at the site and you can take a look for yourself? Diver asked. After getting the details, I hung up and flopped myself on the bed with excitement. When I was a little girl, my parents and I loved exploring older abandoned homes when we visited my grandparents in the country. Rotting floorboards and plaster crumbling walls always looked beautiful to me in a way. I was a weird kid. A few days later, I was driving up a mountain, my jeep purring like a kitten in her natural habitat. After following a lazily winding road, I turned down an overgrown dirt driveway. There, between two towering oak trees, stood the most regal gothic revival I had ever laid eyes on. Its white wooden siding was peeling and decaying, but its steep-centered gable and arched windows stood resolute, a testament to its craftsmanship. Standing outside was a tall, thin man with black hair peeking out from under his blaze orange hard hat. I parked and walked towards him, but my gaze kept reverting back to that house. It's a stunner, isn't it? I'm Diver, you must be Copeland, the man said, holding out his hand for a firm shake. It's nice to meet you. It really is a beauty, but I'm surprised someone wants to restore it. Looks like it needs a ton of work, I said, noticing the crumbling brick foundation. Ha, don't let my boss ever hear you say that. Our business thrives on historical renovations, Diver said with a grin. But yeah, it's a big job for sure. He handed me a hard hat and a mask, and I gladly put them on. And here I thought you might have an issue with wearing it, Diver joked, motioning towards the hard hat. I shot him dagger eyes before saying, Let's not be sexist, Diver. Clearly I need safety gear to enter a construction site. Ooh, you're right, I'm sorry. And it's technically a construction site, but we haven't been able to get started yet. The owners were insistent they did not want the furniture removed until you took a look at each item. The intent of his last statement was clear. Please hurry up so we can get this show on the road. All right, let's go take a look, I responded. Walking up to the porch, I saw that Clover Construction had sectioned off all areas that appeared dangerous to walk on. Caution tape had been hung on the railings, and a few new boards had been laid over bare porch beams. The enormous door groaned open as Diver twisted the knob. I let out an audible gasp under my mask. Walking into this home was like walking into a time capsule. It was as if everything inside the home had been paused as time marched on outside of its walls. The home opened into a large entryway with tall, rounded wooden columns designating the dining and formal living areas on each side. There was original crown molding and shelving, while oak wall paneling appeared to be throughout the house. All of the original tile work around the fireplaces was still intact. Pictures hung on the walls. Despite these beautiful features, the house was in rough shape. The plaster and paint had peeled and crumbled, leaving water damage and mold in its place. A musty aroma punched through my thick mask. Diver had been right. There was a sizable amount of furniture remaining. A quick glance around told me that nearly everything a family would need was there. An old Victorian couch sat in the formal living room. A long dining room table with chairs neatly pushed in still remained. In the kitchen, plates and bowls sat on the cupboards. Despite the damage from the elements, it was as neat as a pen. I'm going to take a lap around the house, photograph and inventory the condition of the contents. I'll review the photos and then write up my proposal, I said, grabbing my notebook and phone from my back pocket. Sounds good. I'll tag along. I'm interested in seeing for myself. This is only the second time I've been here, Diver said. We started on the first floor, making our way through each room. 
What was really interesting was not just the age of many of the furniture pieces, but what many of them contained. The sideboard in the dining room had beautiful glassware and half-full bottles of whiskey and bourbon still sitting on the shelves. The living room contained a small basket full of moldy yarn and knitting needles. This house was a living memory. Eerie echoes from the past were in those everyday details left untouched. Have you ever seen a house like this, so full of furniture? I asked as we made our way up the back staircase. Sometimes, although usually the homeowners take something before they leave. This place looks untouched. Any info on the previous owners? I said, trying to get more information. Something about the way this house was left just felt off. Not really. It's been vacant for a while. It's strange, actually. The new owners purchased 45 acres of land while living overseas. Had no idea the house even stood on it. But when the husband and wife visited and saw the property, they fell in love with the idea of having it restored. I get the impression that money isn't an issue for them. It's been a lot of red tape trying to get permits for a house that didn't exist on property records. Despite his initial hard hat comment, Diver was growing on me. We walked upstairs to find what was once a child's bedroom. A small twin wrought iron bed with a multi mattress and blankets was still centered between two arched windows. A small ornate vanity with a mirror still held a comb and brush set. I snapped a few pictures and turned towards the door. Did you hear that? said Diver, cocking his head. Hear what? I said, whirling around to face him. He held his finger up to his lips. I waited, straining to hear. After several seconds, Diver shrugged his shoulders. I thought I heard knocking. It sounded like someone was banging on a window or something, he said. Hmm, no, I didn't hear that. There probably are half a dozen mice in the walls of this room alone, right? They make all sorts of creepy little noises, I said with a shiver. I walked over to the bedroom closet and swung open the door to find toys and little girls' clothes neatly tucked away. Now that's weird, said Diver from over my shoulder. I think so, too. Leaving furniture behind is one thing, but I'm really surprised clothing and toys are still here. Usually this kind of place, it would have been ransacked or vandalized at the very least. There's no trash, no indication that anyone has stepped foot inside for decades, I said. Every abandoned house I've ever been in has been pretty much like you described. Beautiful, but absolutely trashed by partying teenagers, he agreed. Noticing the dimming sun, I said, Ooh, let me photograph the rest of this place real quick. We're losing daylight. Yep, and I, for one, don't want to get stuck out here in the boonies after dark, responded Diver, stepping towards the door. We moved down the hallway towards the main suite, stopping briefly at the bathroom to admire the tub and tile work. The main suite was lovely. It sat at the peak of the pitched roof and had an enormous series of arched windows overlooking the oak trees outside. The room was ensconced in dark oak wall panels, making it feel both regal and claustrophobic at the same time. It held a once-beautiful four-poster bed, large dresser, and nightstands. Now they sat in various states of decay, covered in thick layers of mold and grime. I snapped quick shots of each piece, and then ran my fingers across the damage that time had taken on the dresser. It was then that I noticed a teacup still perched on the bedside table, a brown ring around the inside of the cup. It looked as if it was left mid-drink. Hey, look at this, I said, pointing to the cup. It's like they were here one minute and gone the next. As soon as the sentence left my lips, a chill ran down my spine. And look over here. I heard a whoosh as Diver pulled a moldy quilt off of what I soon realized was a massive gilded mirror. Why on earth was that covered? It's so beautiful, I swooned, snapping a picture of it. Maybe they were trying to move it, I reasoned. 
The mirror's awesome, but did you see what was hanging on it? Those necklaces are gold. Why didn't they pack those? Weird stuff. This one may need a CFP label. Am I right? Diver said with a shrug. What's a CFP label? I asked. I'll tell you about it later. We really need to finish this up, he said, motioning towards the last of the pink and purple on the horizon. The sun had already set, and we really didn't have much time. We walked downstairs in silence. My mind was busy with possibilities. The house was so beautiful, the pieces were amazing, and even though it wasn't my business, I was still trying to piece together what the hell happened in this house. How could a house sit here for decades? A jet black wave of darkness broke over the house all at once. Inky blackness crowded around me, distorting my sense of space. I pulled up the flashlight on my phone, only to find the small light barely lit past my feet. Hang on a sec, I've got a flashlight on my belt, Diver said before shining a large beam in front of us, illuminating our way down the hall. As the light reached the hallway wall, small dark shapes skittered away from the beam. I gasped and took a step back. Hand to God, they looked like little miniature people. What the hell was that? Diver whispered, coming to stand beside me. He moved the beam from left to right along the wall, revealing nothing but peeling and tattered wallpaper. Maybe bugs or mice, I reasoned weakly. But there was nothing in front of us to throw those shadows, he said. Before I could even think to respond, three loud, house-shaking bangs sounded from the floor above us, causing dust and plaster to rain down. The noise was so startling and out of place that I screamed and jumped closer to Diver. Did you hear that? I whispered. Hard not to, he responded. Footsteps came from the back staircase of the house slow and casual in their descent towards us. Without knowing it, I realized I'd pressed my back into Diver's chest in fear. The footsteps started again in the back kitchen, stepping closer to us with every second. I think that's our cue to leave, Diver said, taking my hand and guiding me rapidly to the front door. As we crossed the threshold, he slammed the door shut with his foot as we quickly scampered down the porch stairs and into the field. What was that? I whispered as we walked towards the driveway. A squatter, most likely, or some really scary shit. Not sure which. Either way, I don't really want to stay here any more than I have to in the dark. I was planning on grabbing a bite at the little diner up the road. Care to join me? I was stunned by his sudden casual demeanor after we had gotten chased out of the house by footsteps. But my growling stomach decided food was also an excellent idea. Plus, I reasoned that I could probably get a little bit more out of him over dinner than standing in a dark field. So instead of asking a million questions, I countered back with, That depends. Do they make a good cheeseburger? It is both greasy and delicious, Diver responded with a laugh. We drove down a country road with my old blue Jeep following his large gleaming white F-150 truck to a small diner. We both ordered cheeseburgers and fries with an iced tea. When the food arrived at our table, Diver smiled, and I could see little crinkles around his eyes. So, what did you think of the house? I cringed and said, It was beautiful, real potential for sure. The pieces inside, well, it's going to be a lot of work if the owners agreed to my proposal. But it was ridiculously creepy. Those footsteps? The shadows? The whole atmosphere of the place was intense. It was odd, wasn't it? The whole vibe of the place just seemed like... He paused, searching for the right word. Like an episode of Unsolved Mysteries, I responded. Yeah, exactly, with a splash of X-Files thrown in. Like the homeowners left in a hurry, and they didn't even pack their clothes. And don't get me started on the missing property records and lack of vandalism, he said, pointing a long fry at me. 
You keep leaving out the part about the end, with the shadows and the footsteps, I said with a nervous laugh. Not much we can do about that, Copeland. The footsteps were probably from a squatter. The crew will come back tomorrow, do a sweep of the place, and secure it a little better. But it's not my house, thank God, he responded with a shrug. But it will be someone's. Don't you think they'd like to know? Know what? That we heard some footsteps in an old abandoned house after dark? How do you think that would be received? Uh, That's a good point. Have you ever stumbled across anything like that before? I asked. Squatters? Oh yeah. But those shadows? Not exactly. I mean, I've seen my fair share of weird stuff before, don't get me wrong. Even downright scary, but that house is a first. Scary like how? I arched an eyebrow at him. How long have you been in town, Copeland? I looked upward, trying to calculate. Just shy of a year. Why? And how long have you been in business for yourself? Four months. Why? So, long enough to see some shit, I guess. It's no secret that things are different here. And trust me, the more money people have, the stranger it gets. Watch out for those big homes. I know that's probably what you've got your sights set on, but it'll come with a cost. When he finished, Ivor sat back in the booth and eyed me. What does that even mean, and what is a CFP? I said, unable to mask my growing interest. Creepy fucking place. It's what our company uses to tag homes that are different. When we see that tag, we know that no one will go there at night and we work in pairs, Diver said before taking a huge bite of his cheeseburger. You have an actual protocol? That's, that's crazy. Like what we saw with those shadows or shapes or whatever. That happens enough that you have a name and a procedure for it? I said with a laugh, but not really ready to believe it. Look, I've been on job sites where my workers have refused to come back. One house, up on Banfield Heights, my boss got locked in the attic. When we finally found him, he was sitting cross-legged with his hands over his ears in the corner. He's tough as nails, but whatever happened, it reduced him to a lump on the floor. Won't speak about it, but he's never been the same. That's when we enacted the buddy system for CFPs. Stuff happens here, all over, but for some reason, it's concentrated in those bullshit old money homes. I don't have an explanation or reason, just words of caution, Diver said. Is it wrong that your words of caution make me more intrigued than scared? I'm not about to let anything derail my business, I laughed. Although I didn't really want to admit any of the experiences I'd had yet, I wasn't about to run scared. When I met Diver's eyes, I saw a twinkle of amusement in them. You're kind of a pistol, huh? He said with a smirk. I couldn't hide the smile that spread across my face. Later that night, full of cheeseburger and that gleeful giddy feeling after meeting someone cute, I curled up in bed with my iPad. I wanted to get a head start on my proposal. As soon as those images flashed on my screen, I got a sinking sick feeling. I scrolled through them with a shiver, remembering the eeriness of the dark house and wondering what memories it held. What had I gotten myself into with this business? It had started from a love of old houses, but now that I was here, I was in it. I had invested so much money, there was no turning back. I traced my fingers along the screen, tagging each of the pieces that I felt were salvageable. I paused on a picture of the vanity from the little girl's room. I swiped to enlarge the image and drew my face up closer to the screen. It could have been a distortion in the glass, I'm sure that it was. But for a moment, before I could rationalize or develop a reasonable explanation, I could have sworn I saw two small hands, those of a child, pressing out from the inside of the mirror. Thank you for listening to Polish and Scream. 
Polish and Scream is created by M. Dawson with support from Becca Rhodes.